0: Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Well, today we are going to wrap up this series uh, that we've been in, Saints and Sinners, and this these conversations or these talks, these sermons have been about helping us better grasp and understand our identity in Christ. And and so this title, Saints and Sinners, kind of comes from the old saying, um, you know, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And the sentiment of that is nice, but truly a more biblical way to understand the way that God's grace works in our life would be to say, I was a sinner and now I'm saved by grace. And so you have a once you once you become born again you have a new spiritual identity. Now does that mean that you're perfect and you never deal with sin or never struggle with sin areas in your life anymore? No. But it's not your identity anymore. And, and and you might be saying, "Well, JD, that sounds just that sounds like semantics, you know." Uh and I know it might sound that way, but it's it's important that there's a distinction. Why is that? Well, number one, because uh, one of my favorite quotes is from A.W. Tozer, and he says, the most important thing about us is what comes into our minds when we think about God. So, so the most important thing about your life is your view of who God is. But that, that's like the cornerstone. It's the foundation of, of, of our lives. But then a, the next stone that's laid right next to that cornerstone is, is how you view yourself. It's how you relate to God yourself. And so that's why it's an important distinction to, to think and to say, I was a sinner, and now I'm saved by grace. Because if you think that you're still a sinner... If that's what your identity continues to be, then that's what you'll continue to do. Does that make sense? You will run up against areas of your life where you struggle with sin, and and it will feel like you've run into a sanctification roadblock. And instead of going to the Lord and going to God with, with repentance and going to God and saying, God, I need your help, and being shaped into the image of Christ, if you continue to identify as a sinner, then you will begin to accept just, well, this is how it is. This is just gonna how, how it's going to be. You will accept sin. You'll settle for your unsanctified state, and you'll stop moving forward being sanctified. You, you might, in some areas of your life, but in these particular areas, if you just still think that I'm a sinner, then you're going to You just Well, I guess this is just the way it's always going to be, and I'm going to have to settle for that. Instead of hating sin and the things that are unholy in your life, you start to become comfortable with it. Not to say that you feel like it's justified, but you just are like, well, you're settled with it, and you're comfortable in some sense. However, if you've been born again, anybody in here been born again? Come on and you believe what the Bible says about you, if you believe what the Apostle Paul said in Romans and in First and Second Corinthians and Philippians and Colossians, when he refers to the believers as saints, that's how he addresses the believers as saints, then when you run up against sin in your life, because you will, then you won't settle for it. You won't accept it you will repent, you will ask for forgiveness, you will ask the Holy Spirit for help, you will run to a trusted brother or a trusted sister in Christ and ask them for help. And you don't hate yourself, but you hate the sin. And you allow God to come and change your heart and change your life. That's why this is an important distinction of identifying as a saint and not a sinner. It's not just semantics, Uh, Think about your life like like this glass. And this is the identity of God. And you get to choose what you identify with. You get to choose what you're going to believe in your life, of, of what you will choose to say, well, this is who I am. And if you continue to just fill yourself up with God's identity for your life, that I'm a child of God, I'm blessed, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm healed, I'm sanctified, I'm set free, praise God, God has, has made me for, for good works. He's predestined me for good works. The overflow of all those things are your thoughts, are your feelings, your actions, your habits, your, the rhythms in your life, the patterns in your life. They're all an overflow of what the identity you have identified with. You guys, this works both ways. So if you, uh, if you don't identify with the things that God has said over your life and you identify with the things the enemy is trying to fill you with and you identify with the things of this culture and the, and the godless culture of this world, then your thoughts and your feelings and your words and your actions, they're the overflow of what you fill yourself with and you'll be full of that. Does that make sense? It's important what you identify with because it's the, it's the foundation It's a foundation block in your life. Deuteronomy chapter 30, 15 says, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death. You have a choice. Which which identity are you going to identify with? Are you going to pour into yourself who God says you are, or are you going to pour into yourself who the enemy in this godless culture says you are? The God of this age. A few weeks ago, we said this. That God redeems, God restores, or I should say this God redeems, God renews us, God restores us. He redeems us, He's renewing us so that He can restore us and bring restoration not just to us, but to others. The beginning point is the redemption. The point point he, He is taking us to is restoration. We start in redemption. And he's taking us to restoration. The in-between part, the in-between stage is renewal. And that's what I want to spend some time talking about today. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read the word of God. We're going to we stand because we honor God's word. It's the authority in our life. We, we are shaped by the word. We are led by the Spirit. And some people say, Well, the Holy Spirit told me to do XYZ, or the Holy Spirit said this to me. And if you say the Holy Spirit said something to you, but it doesn't match up with the Word of God, then that wasn't the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit inspired this, and He will not contradict Himself. And so why do we stand? Because we're honoring the Word of God, and we're honoring the Holy Spirit when we do this. And so today we're going to read here from Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome about Renewal, this in-between stage. And I'm gonna ask you to read aloud with me, verse two. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. When you're seated, tell the person next to you, he is renewing us. Here in Romans, here's what Paul's saying in essence. He's saying, don't don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And when he's talking about the culture and the world, you know, he, he said there, he says, don't be conformed to this world. Or we could say, "Don't be conformed to the culture." It's talking about the governing attitudes, the governing systems of this world, of our culture, the governing way of life. Don't fit into it, just like by going with the flow of things. Like, don't don't put your life into cruise control mode and just go with the flow. Don't just like get the inner tube and hop in the river and just float down with everybody else you're going to have to swim upstream. You're going to have to go against the flow. You're going to have to be engaged. Not like riding in the Tesla, falling asleep while the car is doing all the, th- the things for you. You have to have your hand on the wheel here. And instead of, of just trying to blend in just with everyone else, because that's, it's so interesting the, the lie in our culture for like our pursuit of individualism and we, we don't realize that there's nothing new under the sun, right. right? The scripture tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. In our pursuit of, of of individualism, it's like, yes, and you are an individual just like, and your life looks just like that person next to you. Why? Because birds of a feather flock together, yeah. right? And in our pursuit of individualism, we just find the people that we want to look like. And God's saying, instead of just trying to blend in with everybody else, instead of just trying to, to, even in the pursuit of individualism, don't do that. Fix your attention on God. Get your attention off yourself. We live in a day and age, you guys, where everything is about what makes me happy. And this has even crept into the church. It's not just out there in the world, but this has been coming for many decades. It started when I was a child. And when I grew up, not everybody got a trophy. But then, you know, somewhere in the late 90s or early 2000s, then everybody got a trophy, why? Because we just wanted those kids to be happy. We stopped keeping score. Why? Because, well, keeping score, if, if they got beat by so many points, it would hurt their self-esteem. And so we've had this self-esteem culture that seemed like, oh, well, that seems good. We need healthy self-esteem, and we need that, because people are so down on themselves. It's like, well, they're down on themselves because their eyes aren't on Jesus, not we, we to fix our self esteem issue is not to get our eyes on ourself and to figure out what makes me happy and to do everything that I can and, and pursue everything I can in every way that I can to make myself happy. Because if you're going to do that, you're going to get you're not just going to find happiness, you're going to find unholiness. Don't Paul saying don't do this. Don't float down the river. In this culture, like this, when you fix your attention on God, you're gonna be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you. Don't have the attitude of, well, I kinda know this is kind of what God wants for me or from me, and I'll give attention to that later. Not today or not in this season, or not in this this time of my life, but maybe when I get married, then I'll give attention to God. Well, then the the temptation will be, well, then when we have kids, then I'll give attention to God, and I'll want to raise my kids in church then. And then it will be, uh, but there's so many other things we got to do. We're so busy, and the kids got to do this. And And you've built a pattern in your life of focusing on yourself and not fixing your attention on God. And Paul's saying, don't have that attitude. Don't have the, well, someday I'll I'll pay attention to what God wants from me and for me. No, it's important that today, and when I say today, I mean today every day, that you readily recognize what God wants from you and you quickly respond to it. How many of you raised kids before and you told your kids, all right, little Johnny, I need you to go clean your room. And you come back 30 minutes later and the room looks like it's more of a mess than it was before. And you're like, Johnny, I thought I told you to clean your room. I know, mom, but I was just playing and I got caught. Okay, I need you to clean your room. And you come back 30 minutes later and he's not even in there. The room is just the same that it was and he's gone and he's ran out and he's playing in the backyard or he's riding his bike or he's playing a video game. And we always taught our kids that obedience means immediate, like you get to it right away. You don't put it off. And the same thing is with our obedience with God. Don't put off obedience to God tomorrow. Was it uh, Wimpy from the Popeye cartoon? It's like, why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? Some of you are like, Popeye cartoon? I don't even know what that is. But how many of y'all know Popeye? How many of y'all know Wimpy? Okay, thank you. Don't be a Wimpy. Don't put off obedience to God tomorrow. Do it today. The culture around you, it's always going to drag you down to its level of immaturity. That's why you don't just get in the river and float with it. It's going (laughs) to, that river is going to lead you off the end of a waterfall and you're going to die. Sorry, that was just really intense for some people. (laughs) But when you go with God, he brings the best out of you. He develops a well-formed maturity in you. That's what Paul's saying here in this passage in Romans chapter 12. This is all language of renewal. It's renewal language. And so you determine in your heart, I'm not just going to fit in with just everybody. I'm not just going to fit in. My life's not going to look just like everybody's is. I'm not going to fit into that mold. I'm not going to think like everybody else. I'm not going to speak like everyone else. I'm not going to do like everyone else. Instead, I'm going to be transformed into the image of who God intended me to be by renewing my mind. God wants you to change the way that you think so you can walk in the identity and the authority and the destiny and the inheritance that Christ has given you as a child of God. That should be exciting to you. (laughs) But we're sitting there going, change the way I think. Have you guys ever watched those shows on HGTV where you take a junker house and you renovate it? You guys seen this? I mean, it's everywhere now. Like just this week, I was at the dentist office. I mean, any doctor's office I ever go to, it's always HGTV on the television. But I was in the doctor or in the dentist office uh, this week, and I'm leaning back, and they're cleaning my teeth, and they've got the TV monitor, and sure enough, it's one of these shows, and. I don't know if it's Property Brothers or Fixer Upper or one of those other ones, I don't know, but uh, it's really quite amazing what they do with these houses. And Jamie and I, we've uh, renovated a couple of houses over you know this, the course of our marriage. And and it's like you go in and you you, you kind of get a vision for what you want it to be. It's not what you want it to be right away, but you, you start like going, oh, okay, here's what we can do. We can knock this wall out here. We need to tear out this flooring. This isn't the kind of flooring I want. Whether it's this carpet or this kind of, uh, you know, hardwood, whatever it is, we're gonna do all this stuff. We're gonna change the floor plan. We're gonna expand the the usable square footage. We're gonna finish out this basement, and we're gonna, you know, you know, put up some walls and drywall and some plumbing. We're gonna do all this stuff: stone countertops and shiplap and all the all those wonderful things. Change out these light fixtures. And a lot of times, you go into these old houses, uh, and there's a lot of different rooms that are all chopped up. They're not open floor plans that are modern today. They seem to fit, you know, just, I don't know, modern life today. We like that open floor plan, right? Where the kitchen is open to the dining room and the living room, and, and uh, big open, you know, bonus room, and that, those kinds of things. But in these old houses, you go in, and there's, there's like the little kitchen dining room and then the formal dining room, <laughs> right? And then you have like the informal living room and then the like the, the formal, di- or formal living room, like the parlor. And that's how it was in the house that I grew up in, you know? We had these different living spaces and we had different dining rooms and it was all, you know, you felt like going into it now today, you're like, man, this would just be so much nicer if this was open. And when it comes to us uh, of living this renewed way of thinking in Jesus, it's a lot like going in and renovating a house. See, redemption happens in a moment, right? The moment that that you make the commitment, the moment that you sign the papers on the house, it's like, boom, I belong to God, he's got the keys, you're born again, and the Holy Spirit moves into your house. But now the Holy Spirit is looking around and he's like, I'm here, but I'm gonna start renovation. I'm gonna start the renewing process. And God says, you know, you've been living with an old floor plan, and this doesn't work for me. It's, it's not functional. So let's open it up, let's knock down these walls and ins- install some headers here to create some support for this opening and this new way of living and let's tear out you know, the old nasty carpet and the smelly stuff and we're gonna put in new, we're gonna take out the old plastered walls and we're gonna put in drywall and we're gonna update the electrical and the plumbing. We're gonna do a major overhaul here and when we get, get, get done, it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be exactly the way that I want it. And I'm gonna make your life my home. Start getting that vision for your life that God has. God is making your life his home, which means if if the homeowner wants something done, then well, then I don't have a say about it. I'm not the homeowner anymore. My life belongs to God. He wants to change something, all right. It's up to you, Lord, you change it, you do it. And the great thing is, is that we don't have to be afraid. Like if I were to just go in, like we've done some minor renovation in our lives. And there's some things that I do know that um, you don't just go in and just start knocking down walls because you have to go, well, is this a support wall? Or is this, there's electrical in this wall? Is there plumbing in this wall? Now, some of you are like, I don't even think about that. Some of you just like, I just grab a, you know, a hammer and just start going at it and demoing it. And then you find yourself like in a mess, and you're like, So I'd be afraid of this. You don't ever have to be afraid of God coming into your life and renovating it because He's the master planner, He's the master carpenter. He knows exactly what needs to be done, He knows exactly what needs to be touched, He knows exactly what needs to be reinforced, He knows exactly what needs to be changed. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Sometimes you might find it difficult because, again, you can't see the end from the beginning. Well, God, I wanna see the floor plan here before I sign off on this, before I let you just do whatever it is that you wanna do. No, you don't have to. You just, your responsibility is just simple obedience, God, this is what you want to do and we'll do it. I may not know the end from the beginning, but I trust you. I trust you more than ever before. I'm not really sure what you're going to do in in uh, my life, God. I've got this leaky roof, I've got this damp basement with cracked basement walls. I've got this dysfunctional floor plan, but God, you said you already knew the inspection report before you purchased the house. You knew what you were getting into. You knew what it was going to take. And God says, yeah, I've already drawn up all the plans. Nothing about your life is going to scare me away. Isn't that comforting? Yeah. Some, we're scared because of the changes that God wants to make in our life, but you can be comforted because there's nothing, your house, your life is not so messed up that it scares God away. He says, no, 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 no. I'm coming, I'm making your house my home, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to look like Jesus. Jesus. Your job is to allow God to have his way in you. And the first step in partnering in the work with God is to recognize that he's not just the homeowner, but he's the builder and he's the contractor. And he wants to renovate your life. This is all the renewal process. And one of the remarkable things about renewal is what God wants to do in us. And, everybody say and and also what God wants to do through us. God wants renewal to happen in us, then God wants renewal to happen through us. God wants to work through you to bring renewal to the and restoration to the world around you. Here's some renewal vocabulary that we hear Jesus use in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, You're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, you're a city on a hill, you're a lamp that doesn't need to be hidden. This is what what Jesus says about you being involved in his renewal process to the world around you. God's renewal first happens within you, but it doesn't stop there. His renewal process happens through you to others. Light of the world, salt of the earth, city on a hill, lamp that shouldn't be hidden. You're not just called to fit in. You're called to change the world around you. But before God can change the world around you, he's got to change the world in you. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 17, verse 20. He said, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, oh, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already, where? Within you. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is within us, he's saying that God's ruling, his reigning, his dominion in the earth, it begins with his ruling and reigning and dominion inside of you. And when we really submit to the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's when we choose to surrender when we really submit to that prayer, we're choosing to surrender and we're choosing to yield and we're choosing to obey. That's the renewal process being worked within us. Paul says this in Romans eight twenty nine that that God, that his plan for you is to be conformed in the image of Christ. That's God's blueprint. It's Jesus. And God wants to build your life so that you would actually act and function like Jesus. Here in Romans chapter 8, also later in chapter 12, Paul uses the word conformed. That means that there's a mold. Not that there's black mold, but like a mold, a form. (laughs) There's a predictable shape. And when you pour molten metal into a mold, after it Cools, it becomes an exact replica of that mold and so what the culture wants to do is just put you in its cookie cutter mold so that you look and act and function just like everybody else in the culture or in in pockets of subcultures and if you want to fit in with us then here's what you believe If you want to fit in with us, here's what you think. If you want to fit in with us, here's what you do. If you want to fit in with with us, here's how you spend your money. If you want to fit in with us, here's your value system. Here's how to make decisions. Here's how to raise your family. But God wants to transform you from that old mold and conform you into the mold of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean? for you to look like Jesus? What does it mean for you to act like Jesus? What does it mean for you to function like him? Well, think of the things that Jesus did. When Jesus was confronted with temptation, did he surrender to it? That's not a trick question, I promise. You can just, thank you. (laughs) He didn't surrender to it. He overcame it. Jesus was an overcomer, and God wants you to conform to the image of Jesus. And so that means that it's God's plan for your life to be an overcomer. So that when you're faced with temptation, that you don't just give in. Well, this is the way that it's going to be. I've always struggled with this issue in my life. No, I'm conformed to the image of Christ. I'm conformed to a different mold. Jesus overcame so I can overcome. The same spirit that lives in me raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What did Jesus do when he was face to face with demonic power? He exerted his authority over demons. He made them flee. So God, if God wants to conform you into the image of Jesus, then that means that you have authority you have the authority of Jesus over the powers of darkness. Some time ago, I I told this story and I thought it was fitting for this message. And um, I want to tell this again. How many of you ever familiar with Dr. Lester Summerall? You guys ever, this is a handful of us in here who know who that is. Dr. Summerall um, did a lot of mission work. A lot of mission work. He did a lot of work specifically in the Philippines. And at that time, there was a lot of demonic stronghold and activity there in that nation. And thank God, through Dr. Summerall and through many others who have ministered to the Philippines, the Philippines are becoming a Christian nation. Now, there's still a lot of things, there's still a lot of um, spiritual warfare to do there. But the enemy does not have a stronghold there like he did uh, some decades ago. And one time, uh, one day, Dr. Summerall, uh, the Lord used him to cast a demon or demons maybe even out of uh, this Filipino girl. Later that night, Dr. Summerall is back in his, uh, his bungalow or wherever he was staying there. And he's laying in bed at night. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're talking about the Philippines and it's not really, it's a kind of a tropical climate and the the, the windows kind of flung open into his bedroom, and a wind start, started rushing into his room, and the temperature dropped, and it started getting cold in the room, and an odor fell, filled the room, and all of a sudden, his bed started shaking, and it shook away from the wall right out into the middle of the room. Doc, Dr. Summerall was like, well, this is demonic. <laughs> This is not just an earthquake. It it wasn't just some natural anomaly. This was a demonic, you know, manifestation right here, trying to scare him, intimidate him, trying to attack him. But he knew his authority in Christ. And he said, demon, get out of here right now in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the wind stopped, blowing the curtains the temperature normalized back up to what it was and the odor left the room. That's awesome. But then you know what? Dr. Sumrall realized my bed is out here in the middle of the floor. And he said, demon, get back here in Jesus' name. The demon comes back in the room. The wind starts blowing. The temperature drops. The odor comes back in the room. And he says, put my bed back to where it was in the name of Jesus. And the bed shook, and it went right back to where it was. You think he knew his authority in Jesus? Yeah, yeah I think he did. I think I could use some of that in my life. How about you? That's amazing. That's amazing. Jesus confronted the powers of darkness. He healed the sick. He saw straight right into people's hearts and he saw what was going on with them. He saw their motives. And Jesus is the template that God wants to form you into. Imagine a billion Christians on the earth, not just saying we believe in Jesus, kumbaya, but actually being transformed in the mold of Jesus Christ. The world would be a different place. This is what it means when Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The renewal happens in us so that God can bring renewal through us. Well, J.D., all this sounds great. Renewing and restoration and transformers and Optimus Prime and... <laughs> I i want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, but how do I get there from where I am right now? How do I get there? How does God take me on this journey? That's a great question. Let's spend just a few minutes talking about some pragmatics of this. Can we do that? I don't wanna just like get you all charged up and walk out of here and go, well, now what? What do I do? That was a great sermon. Cool story about Lester Summerall. Well, what? How can we put our hands and feet to this? Well, first thing is this. One of the first things that you can do is identify and remove the barriers. There are barriers to you conforming to the image of Christ. So what are they? You need to identify those and then don't settle for them. Remove them out of your life. There are voices and influences that are trying to speak into your life that are contrary to your identity in Christ. They're contrary to his destiny for your life. And these influences and these barriers, if you want to renew your mind, then you're going to have to again start identifying them and removing them. Maybe some of these barriers and these voices and these influences live in social media world. You know, I found this remarkable little button on social media. It's called unfollow. And when I click that, all of a sudden, there seems to be some more peace in my life. Praise God. I was like, wow, how'd that happen? And I was like, no, I don't want to have that voice in my life because I identify that as a barrier to my identity in Christ. So we're going to cut that out and stop listening to that. Unfollow. Fantastic. Maybe some of the barriers in your life to God's identity in Christ and his destiny for your life are certain shows that you're watching, things that you're meditating on, movies, music, the news. Can I tell you at the beginning of this year of 2023, we did uh, 21, we did our season, a first season of Seek for this year. And we did 21 days of prayer and fasting. And one of the things that I fasted, and I'm not telling you this to, like, like, oh, J.D.'s a Pharisee, and he's, like, doing all these good works, and he's telling us all about it. Now, I'm telling you this to encourage you. One of the things that I fasted was the news. Now, I had developed a pattern and a rhythm in my life that every single morning I'd get up, and I might do some other things. But pretty quickly, after the first few things I would get to, I would put the news on. And I'd even put it on and listen to it while I was in the shower getting ready for the day. And I'm just like, well, I want to stay informed. I want to find out what's going on in the world. And, and I've just noticed that, man, this is robbing me of my peace. This is not adding anything of value to my life. There's, this, is not, uh, this is not supporting and undergirding my identity in Christ whatsoever. If anything, it's making me anxious or angry or mad or worried or any other number of negative emotions. And so I fasted. One of the things I felt like the Holy Spirit identified in my life because I asked the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to do that. Identify and remove the barriers. Why well, don't, well, I think everything in my life is just fine. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll be glad to tell you. Remember, He's the master builder, He's got the blueprints. He knows exactly what needs to come down and what needs to go up. And I said, All right, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to fast? And one of the things that He identified for me was the news. And I tell you what, peace immediately. Now, was there a little bit of adjustment in the habits of my life and going, well, I just want to go watch that or do that because it had been a a pattern. It had been a habit. Well, yeah. Well, I had to break that, but I did it unto the Lord. So it was a lot easier. When you do something unto the Lord, it doesn't mean there's no resistance, but there is more motivation. Does that make sense? And I was able to fast that. And at the end of the 21 days of fasting that, I wasn't like, Okay, I'm good. I don't need to reinstall this habit back into my life. It was like I uninstalled it out of my hard drive, and that's not coming back. <laughs> no more malware Malware there. No more spyware. The enemy spyware is coming right through the news. Uh, that's not a conspiracy <laughs> statement. Okay, anyway. But maybe there's all kinds of things. Identify and remove the barriers. Um. Whatever it is, stop giving your attention to these voices and these influences so that you can do what Paul tells us to do in Romans 12, so that you can fix your attention on God and readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Another practical way to lean into the renewal process is this: to memorize and meditate on God's word. It's just just simple and practical start by looking up some passages about your identity in Christ. It's really easy. You can go to Google, put in scriptures about identity in Christ, and you can find several great websites that are just gonna list for you scripture after scripture after scripture. And you begin to memorize these and commit them to memory and and, and meditate on these verses and and start with one or two a week and and memorize them and just get them on the inside of you and, and ask the Holy Spirit To fuse the truth of God's word into your spiritual DNA, into your thinking. What are we talking about? We're talking about the renewal process, renewing your mind. It's gonna take some work on your effort. The Holy Spirit's not just gonna come and sprinkle Holy Spirit fairy dust over you, and all of a sudden, you're gonna have the mind of Christ. He's asking you to be engaged in the process. So go to the Word of God let's memorize some of these things let's meditate on them consider how the truth of, the, of God's word applies to my everyday life I'm not looking I'm not looking for the Bible or the scriptures to conform to what I want them to say and to what I want it to do but no I'm conforming my life to what God's word says well how are you can do that? Start with memorizing some scripture. Start with meditating on some scripture. But, J.D., I just don't have any time to do that. Okay. Okay. Just get on your phone right now and pull up your screen time app and just tell me. You don't tell me. You don't, it's not, you don't have to come tell me. Please, it's not, these are not conversations I'm looking to have necessarily. I'm just asking you to do some, like, self-examination you don't think you have time to memorize and meditate God's word one or two scriptures a week, just look on your screen time app and see how you spend your time just on your phone. Did you know the average American adult spends almost 23 hours a week watching videos? That's almost a whole day. The average American adult spends um, just over 11 hours gaming. The average American adult spends just under 11 hours on social media every week. I know some people that spend 11 hours a day on social media. I think we have time to memorize and meditate on God's word. Yes. Let's get motivated. Let's cut this stuff out. Let's identify and remove the barriers. If you need help, I recommend, I'm actually gonna recommend to you an actual app, the Uversion app. It's the most popular Bible app in the world. And what you can do, this is one of the things that I do often, is I'll put on the Bible, and they have, a lot of the versions are in audio. And so like in the New Living Translation, I'll set it to that, and then I'll hit play, and I'll listen to a chapter. And then I'll listen to it again. And then I'll listen to it over and over because I'm trying to get the truth of what God's saying down on the inside of me. I'm not just trying to check a box and say, well, I'll listen to a chapter today. No, I'm actually trying to get my life to be conformed to the word of God. And so I'll listen to it over and over and over multiple times in a day. And sometimes the next day I'll come back to it. Or if it's like one of Paul's epistles, many of Paul's epistles are very brief. You can listen to those in just a very short amount of time. And that's even better because you get the whole context of what he's saying and not just one little verse. You know, the verse of the day, that's great. But really, guys, I want to encourage you, don't just read one Bible verse by itself because when you do that, it's so easy to take it out of context and it's so easy for you to take it and for it, you like, take that scripture and shape it to your life and <laughs> apply Well... Well, I'm applying it to my life. You know, Yeah, you're applying God's word to your life. You need to apply your life to God's word. Amen. When your friends start talking about issues going on in their marriage, when, you're, when, when you're, they're talking about issues going on with their kids, when they're talking about this, then you know what? You're going to be the word of God guy. You're going to be the Bible guy. You're going to be the Bible woman. You're going to be the word of God woman. And you're going to be able to speak some words of life and some truth into them and love that these things can actually make a difference in their life, not just commiserate with them. When they say, man, I got this going on in my life, you're like, okay, well, let's pray right now. And when you open your mouth and you pray, what you find is that you're not just praying something out of your own understanding, out of your own heart, but you're praying something out of the word of God because it's what you put on the inside of you. And what other more powerful prayer could you pray than what God has already stated? Next thing. So you you, you memorize and meditate on God's word and then you go to a whole other level. And that whole other level is becoming a student of God's word. This is, this is different. This is next level. This is more than just memorizing, just meditating on scripture. This is, like, this is like going to the beach and you're standing there at the shore and you're like letting the waves just kind of roll up over your feet and you've got your pants rolled up to you know beyond your ankles and you're like, oh, isn't this nice? This is refreshing. It's like going from that to getting dressed in scuba gear and you're like, let's go to the depths. Let's go to the deep places. Let's explore the reef. Studying your Bible is taking time to learn the context of the scriptures. What what was really written here in context? And it's diving into the greater depth of what things mean. It's not about trying to impress anyone. It's not about, you know, trying to like, well, you know, here's what the Hebrew word and the Greek word of this. And here's what the, all that's great. I'm not downing that, but that's not the point. The point is to get understand the word of God and let it transform you, not to flex your study muscles in front of other people, okay? It's about filling your mind with God's truth so that it leaves no room for the lies of the enemy to enter into your thinking, into your believing. It's so that you can better think and act like Jesus. One of the great things about this is that you don't have to do this alone. I, I, as a matter of fact, I'd recommend you don't do it just alone. I'm not saying to, to you only study with other people. Yes, do some study by yourself, but find a study buddy. You know, I've got several of them. They're called my life group. I love studying the Bible with my life group. It is so much fun. And I get so much out of it. And then we'll, we'll go around the room and we're talking and I hear someone speak and they're sharing a perspective that I hadn't thought about, that I hadn't seen yet, or I had forgotten about. I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. I'm reminded of that. Praise God. That's deep. That's, I want that. Getting into a life group is like using Miracle Grow on your soul. <laughs> it's good, guys. Another step toward renewing our minds is taking time to listen when you pray. We all know that we're supposed to pray. We all know that we're supposed to take time before the Lord and pray. But part of that time in prayer is shutting your mouth and opening your ears. I know we've all heard this saying, God gave you one mouth, but he gave you two ears for you to do twice as much listening as you did talking. If we want to renew and renovate our way of thinking, then we need to practice the skill of listening and hearing the voice of God. Now, some of you are like, well, I'm not sure if that was God's voice or mine. Why don't you just measure it against the word of God? Because his voice is not going to ever contradict this, I promise. And if it was, then it wasn't the voice of God. One word from God can change your life. I believe it because I've had it in my life. I've experienced this in my life. And so our job is not just to go to God and just pour out our heart, but it's actually to go to God and stop and listen and wait for him to pour out his heart to us. When you pray, be intentional about building in time to listen and be still. Listen, there's a whole myriad of other things and pragmatics that we could talk about here as it relates to renewing ourselves, joining the Holy Spirit in the renewal process. But I, I just wanna take time for one more, just this last one. If we wanna be purposeful, purposeful about renewing our minds, if we wanna be intentional, then we've got to capture every rebellious thought. Rebellious to who? Rebellious to, to God. Thoughts that are rebellious to God. Thoughts that are rebellious to the Word. You've got to capture those. Capture rebellious thoughts that are contrary to who God says you are. They're rebellious to His identity in Christ for your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse five, Paul instructs us to capture these rebellious thoughts. And he says, teach your thoughts to obey Christ. There's process, there's teaching. I have to put some effort into this. Why is that important? Because rebellious thoughts steal your mental space away from what it's still stuff away from what God has spoken over your life. Philippians 4:8, Paul says this, this is really good when it comes to capturing the rebellious thoughts and then well, what do I do then? He says, think on things that are true and honorable and right. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that are lovely things that are of good reputation. That's one of the reasons why when I stopped watching the news, I got some peace back in my life. Because when you watch the news, you don't find things that are of good reputation. And Paul says, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything that's good, if there's anything that's worthy of praise, think on these things. This is where you want your thoughts to make their home in these things. Now, many of us have had thoughts, (laughs) maybe even this morning, that were opposite to what just Paul was just saying to us. Every single one of us. So listen, you can't prevent every rebellious thought coming to you. You can't. There are gonna be thoughts that just come to you and you're like, it's just, it just happens. Even if you're in a good space, something's gonna happen and you're gonna get a rebellious thought. And when I say rebellious, I mean I mean it's rebellious to who God has called you to be and what he wants to do in your life. But just like you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, you can keep it from making a nest in your head. And the same is true with the rebellious thoughts. They might come, but what do you do with it? do you let it make its home in your, in your mind, in your thought life, in your inner life? Or do you say, no, nope. you, you don't qualify. You don't match the Philippians 4.8 test. You get out of here in the name of Jesus. I'm not gonna meditate on that. Don't entertain rebellious thoughts. Don't let them linger. Don't feed them. There's this this ancient illustration. It's like there's two wolves. Which one lives? Which wolf lives? The one that you feed. You want the identity in Christ? You want that to grow stronger and more evident in your life? You wanna come into more agreement with that in your life? Then feed your identity in Christ and starve rebellious thoughts, starve them. When a rebellious thought comes, here's how to respond. That's crazy. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that. I'm not gonna keep thinking about that. Holy Spirit, help me. Show me your truth. Remind me of who I am in Christ. Remind me of what you've called me to do. Remind me of what belongs to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we get ready to pray? Just a moment after we pray, I'm gonna transition to some baptisms here. And I will say this, if you're you're here today and you're getting baptized, I wanna invite you to go ahead and just quietly slip out. And you can, if you need to change clothes or do anything to get ready, you can go ahead and do that. Meet Pastor Bob in the back. And then when we get done, I'm gonna invite the rest of you to go pick up your kids from Seeds Kids right away and um, just wait on having any conversations until kind of after baptism. But go pick up your kids and then come and make your way out here to the patio. If you don't have kids, you can just go ahead and go out the doors and meet us over here. And it'll take us just a minute or two before we actually start the baptisms. But I I wanna pray over you today. Would you just close your eyes and just put your hands out in a posture, just kind of palms up. This is, this is like a posture of surrender. It's a posture of like, God, here I am bringing my jacked up house to you. <laughs> the leaky roof and the cracked basement walls and the old nasty carpet, I'm bringing it to you. But, but God, I'm also, as I'm bringing that to you, I'm coming with palms up to receive from you the new floor plan the new materials, the new beautiful home that you want to make my life into the image of Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for our identity in Jesus Christ. Help us to not leave our identity just in the category of head knowledge, but we truly want to be transformed. May our view God of you what we think about you may it be the cornerstone of our lives God so so that help us get a proper view of who you are and, and let it shape our actions and our thoughts and give us the revelation that your grace has changed our spiritual identity as saints and that we're not just struggling sinners any longer, Lord God. But when we do face sin, God, help us, give us the strength to reject it. Help us rely on the, on the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And even, uh, even our church family, Lord God, and empower us to not conform to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We invite you to come and renovate our lives, to come and renew our lives, remove barriers and influences that contradict your truth. Help us memorize. Help us meditate. Help us study your word. God, may we capture every rebellious thought that tries to exalt itself above you. And and God, we don't want to align our thinking with those things, but we want to align our thinking with your promises. And as we experience renewal, God, may, may we become vessels of transformation to this world, Lord God, in this world, bringing light and salt and hope to those around us. God, we submit ourselves to your will. May your truth Take deep root in all of our hearts, it's bearing the fruit, well-formed fruit that lasts, that when we leave this place, Lord God, there's well-formed fruit. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen, prayer team is going to go ahead and come down forward here. And I, and I know that we, we're going to have baptisms here, but if you need prayer for anything in your life today, don't miss this opportunity miss this opportunity thanks for listening stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he called them to do one of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast you can do so by subscribing leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.